What's up, everybody? This is Tanner from TanmanBaseballFan.com. I am walking tonight on what might be the uh, last uh, cold evening of the season. I don't know if that's true, and I'm sure we'll probably have a couple uh, colder ones, but tomorrow it's supposed to be like a high of 80 or 81 or something. So uh, it's kind of this time of year they start to dread because, you know, tax season's coming in and spring. And so I, well, I love baseball and my birthday coming up and everything and my son's birthday coming up. Uh, I just really, really don't like the allergies, the heat and, you know, again, tax season. So anyways, uh, all kinds of uh, <laughs> craziness, I guess. Is, uh, is being thrust upon us, but thankfully it looks like we do have a baseball season that's going to be starting. Uh, so i got to be super thankful for that. And speaking of things I'm super thankful for, uh, I'm very thankful for all of you guys. So I just want to say thank you so much for listening to this. I know that there are a ton of other podcasts out there uh, that you could be listening to right now, uh, as opposed to me and my little two-bit operation here of me just talking into a phone. Uh, while I'm walking around my neighborhood. Um, I know there's guys that are out there that are talking about uh, new products and, you know, the latest and greatest things. And all of a sudden, I know that I'm kind of all over the board and I'm not, you know, really kind of, uh, you know, current or, uh, you know, up on all of the new products that are coming out and everything. But uh, anyways, just want to say thank you. I hope that what I say is, is helpful to you all, is entertaining, and, you know, maybe for some of you all, you just like my voice enough where it helps you get to sleep at night. I don't know. <laughs> you know, the, maybe that's another thing. Maybe that's another reason why people are listening. Uh, I bet that uh, I've probably not put somebody to sleep uh, quicker uh, than uh, my wife, Holly, uh, when it comes to me talking about baseball and baseball cards. So completely understand if that's what you use uh, this podcast for also. And I'm sure a few of you out there are also uh, using this to get through your uh, your commute to work or maybe you're at work and you just want some background noise. So regardless of what the reason is, I'm just thankful for you. And I thank you for uh, for listening. So for this episode, I, I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to title this thing yet because I wanted to kind of go over two things uh, that are pretty kind of, they're kind of like, I guess, uh, hooked together. Uh, they're joined at the hip. And it's kind of something that, I'm, that I've been thinking about a little bit myself. Uh, so in the baseball card hobby or industry or whatever you want to call this, there are a lot of uh, sub uh, fandoms or hobbies or whatever you want to say. Uh, there, there are these different sects of, of collecting corners. You could have player collectors. And, and this fascinates me, you guys, like to no end. I love this. I love hearing uh, all of the the war stories of like the Barry Bonds guys or the Chipper Jones guys or, uh, you know, like there's so many areas of uh, collecting that can really, if you let it, to be honest with you, that can, uh, you know, consume your whole being. And while I certainly don't uh, recommend doing that, I do uh, love hearing all of the stories and everything that goes on. And, uh, you know, there's so many people out there that aren't even really on the internet or they don't post a lot. They actually just, you know, collect, <laughs> you know, they're, they're not loud mouth like I am. You know, they don't, they don't say everything that comes to their mind or, or show everything that comes into their collection. They're private. They, 
collect what they like, they store it away or display it or whatever. And with that, there's a lot of untold stories, a lot of super fun stories. I was uh, talking to somebody uh, the other day about this, and he's got a, a pretty extensive Jose Canseco collection, and you know, he stopped collecting uh, recently, or not recently, I'm sorry. He stopped collecting actively for the most part, I think back in like 2004 or something like that. And, uh, but he has a really nice collection and, uh, you know, he, you know, had this, uh, he was telling me about how he used to, uh, print off this, uh, this elaborate checklist and, you know, it would be in like a three ring binder or something. And he would, you know, flip uh, the pages through and, and mark them off by hand, which he had, you know, which cards he has, and which he doesn't. And, you know, there's some fun war stories in there for sure when it comes to, uh, buying cards. And it's just so fun. And I really, really do love hearing about that stuff. Same thing goes, and not just for, uh, player collectors, you guys, though, uh, the stories are limitless when it comes to the amazing stories from these, uh, player collectors but also the set collectors um, or the other specialty type of collectors. Uh, it is really incredible to me. Um, it's funny, I'm actually in the middle of doing this podcast while I'm walking, and, uh, and I, as I'm walking down the street, I see a, a police officer uh, drive down the street with his lights blaring. He just pulled someone over uh, probably about, oh, let's say about 100 feet away from me here. Okay, I want to see what happens. Um, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I heard something crazy happened around this area recently as well, so I guess probably better keep my uh, keep my eyes peeled here. But anyway, um, where was I? Uh, set collectors. Uh, yeah, I mean, just there's, there's a plethora of other types of collectors. The you know PSA guys, the ones that want to get key rookies of uh, you know all, all of the main guys that they grew up with in PSA 10, or you know that. The vintage guys, of course, or the waxbox guys. And so, uh, speaking of waxbox guys, that's kind of where I'm. Uh, you know, what kind of prompted this uh, this episode is because I, I sold out my entire wax inventory. I had a real nice run uh, of FASC stuff. So FASC stands for from a sealed case, and I think I sold everything. Uh, oh gosh, probably. Oh man, I want to say maybe three or four years ago uh, is before COVID, before this COVID craziness. And so you know where this is going to go, you guys. Like, <laughs> you know what happens when I say this. But, uh, uh, but anyway, so to start off with, I think I uh, a lot of the, the stuff that I had was from like 1980 tops. That was the Crown Jewel wax box all the way up to like 1992. I had almost everything aside from a handful of, uh, of the junk wax boxes uh, like, I don't think I had a 91 Fleer or, you know, 92 score or anything like that. But I did have like the 81 tops, the 84 Donners, 89 Upper Deck, 92 Bowman. I mean, I had all of them. I think I was missing like two boxes that were key from that time period. At one point, I even had 93 SP box and a 93 Finest box. So real nice boxes. But eventually I was thinking, man, you know what? This This stuff is just taken a tremendous amount of space in my office, like a very limited space. So yeah, I don't think I'll, I'll keep this. So I ended up selling everything. I think I've made probably about double my money when I did it, which, you know, on the outside sounds great. But on this side of things, I think, uh, I think I could have quadrupled my money instead. 
uh, after it doubling, <laughs> you know, probably uh, if I kept them and sold them now. Uh, so the problem is this, you guys, like I have fallen back in love with wax boxes. I don't think I really want to do uh, an FASC run, but the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I think that this is going to resonate with some of you all that sold some stuff maybe either before the pandemic for too cheap or during the pandemic for, for really high, but maybe you possibly, possibly want to get back into what you had because you miss it. For me, it's wax boxes. You know, I, there's a handful of wax boxes that, uh, that I really do miss. They are all sealed and authenticated. So I'm thinking maybe I don't want them sealed this time. Maybe I want to have like versions that are opened so I can, you know, kind of run my fingers through the packs and everything, you know, too. So uh, I don't know what I'm, what I'm doing, but here is the mental block that I'm facing. And I have a feeling that some of you out there are feeling the same thing if you're in the same position as I am. You buy, you remember you buy a box, you bought a box for, you know, let's say $19.91. Let's keep this like super low end here, okay? And then we'll go for a high end example later. Uh, so there's a $19.91 box that you bought for, you know, years ago for say six bucks. And then in a bulk deal, you make some good money, you sell it for 12 or 15 or something. Now, uh, you know, it possibly sells for 25 plus shipping. And it's difficult, I think, for a lot of people to really kind of uh, mentally get over that hump of saying, you know, hey, listen, I spent six bucks initially for this, and now I have to pay 25 bucks plus shipping if I want to get something like this back for $91. There's nothing in $91. Come on. You know, so that's kind of where I find myself. Now, that's not a big deal when it comes to $91. However, it is a big deal. Uh, I'll talk about mid-end and a high-end. Uh, a deal when, for instance, you're talking about $85, and you, know, you might have found yourself getting into one for uh, $80, and then you sell it for $160, and you're happy. Now, you see that they're going for about $300 or so, and it's very difficult to get back in to something that you had uh, just a few short years ago for significantly less, for a fraction of the, of the cost. Uh, the, the one that hurts the most, I think, is probably the 80 Tops box because um, you know, I think the, uh, it's one of the nicer ones, probably something I think I had a thousand and two. And I believe I sold it for probably 2,500 or so at the height, the very height of the, the craziness with the, you know, stimulus checks and that and the other, it probably could have fetched 10 grand or so. Um, and so I don't think it goes that quite high now, uh, nor do I have like any interest whatsoever in having a from a sealed case, 80 tops box for anywhere near several thousand dollars. Um, so that's going to be a tough pill to swallow if I do want to you know, go down that route. But I don't think I'm going to be doing the FACC uh, run for, <laughs> uh, you know, for this time around just because it's, it's so darn expensive, uh, especially for boxes, you know, like it's, it's hard. So for me, that's the mental uh, issue that I'm having with this is, you know, these are, these are boxes I had not too long ago, like very recently for cheap money. 
uh, comparatively. And now it's very, it's much more expensive. So how do you get over this hump? There's a couple ways you can go about this. Number one, you can say, you know what, forget it. Let's not worry about the boxes. Let's do something else. There's plenty of other different types of cards out there to go for. Uh, you know, so just go for something else. Yeah, no, nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with that. There's tons of other cards out there that you can fall in love with. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be exactly the stuff that you had before. Uh, number two, you can sit around and wait a little bit. And you know, if you're a little concerned about the economy, uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe a lot of other people are too. And that might mean possibly the prices will come down a bit later. Uh, it might go up again, but you know they might also stay the same, but they might go down. So that's another way that you could possibly do it. Um, the other way that you could look at this is to consider doing a downgrade version of what you had before. So, for example, in the example of this 1980 Tops box, uh, though at the height of the uh, pandemic, where crazy money was being spent. And I, I don't know, it could have been even more, uh, maybe a little less, I don't remember. Uh, but instead of having $10,000 into a, uh, from a sealed case wax box that's authenticated ATOPS, maybe have, uh, you know, an unauthenticated box that might be, you know, two or $3,000. And again, I don't even really have too terribly much interest in doing that just yet either. But uh, that's, that's one thing that you have to weigh, uh, you know, go back and going back and forth on. So for me personally, I like that idea. Like I love the idea of FASC. I think I've been saying for, for years, I thought it was a great investment and I turned out to be right. I just wish I was able to really capitalize on it from being right. But <laughs> I, that seems to be how it works out for me a lot of times. Like I, I predict something, it seems to be right a lot of times, but I just uh, not there to make the money off of my, uh, my own prediction like I would like to. I did make some money off this, but not as much as I could have. So, uh, but, so yeah, with that said, I like the idea of these sealed authenticated boxes that are notated as from a sealed case. I think that it's fabulous. Uh, however, I did miss being able to uh, tuck that lip in from the top of the box and the back of the packs, like they had them at the card shops when I was growing up. You know, that's kind of a nostalgia play for me. I love that idea. Um, and so that's kind of one of the things I might end up doing is I might do some sort of a run or maybe just like uh, some boxes I really like. Uh, you know, so I'm thinking off the top of my head, uh, you know, maybe an 82, A3, A4 Donruss, A5 Donruss. Uh, I'm not a massive fan of A6 Donruss <laughs> other than the can say go Ray Rokies. I think my uh, my my A6 Donruss uh, uh, Sweet Tooth will probably be uh, satisfied by having like a raw copy of uh, of some of the Rokies in there or whatever. But uh, but yeah, A5 Donruss. I love the box. Uh, same with uh, A4 and A3 and A2. I think the the coloring on the wrappers are great, and it's just a uh, you know phenomenal run there. Uh, for tops, uh, I really like. 84 and 85 uh, especially um, and 89 I think is great 90 91 uh, those are some of my favorites for sure but you know of course uh, it's really kind of funny like the 80 tops box for instance there's like an Astros player I don't even remember who it is that's on the front of the 80 tops box 
it's not really the most appealing, like visually appealing of boxes. Um, same goes for like 81, maybe 82. Uh, it, they're very dated, of course, but I think like, uh, I'm trying to remember what 83 looked like. I think 83 looked a lot better. And 84 is kind of really when they started standardizing the look. And so the thing is, when it comes to the tops boxes from 84 all the way through until, I want to say 91, maybe 92, but I think it's 91. They all look very similar and they look very impressive together, uh, all lined up in a row. Love that, love that. Love how they look together. Uh, as far as FLIR goes, you know, maybe, uh, maybe we do something like uh, 82, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, 84 FLIR, A5 FLIR, I like those two, A7 FLIR is a must, uh, maybe 88, 89, 90. 91 so there's going to be some cheap ones mixed in with some more expensive ones but if i go down this route so uh you know of course you know as well as i do we can sit back and dream as much as we want right on these cards the thing that's really going to kind of be the the helper here is how do you get back into this like how do you get past this mental block of you know like saying like <laughs> I had such little money into this and boy did I blow it because I sold too soon and uh, but I want to go back into it and not you know kind of have this like dark cloud over me for thinking man I really blew it you know but uh, I think the the trick is this uh, I think this is the secret uh, dive in to whatever niche of the hobby that you want to be involved in for me right now, it might be wax. Um, I've already got the Canseco you know, niche down, I think, and so I'm still actively looking for special cards of his, of course, and I always love vintage stuff, but you know, now I'm trying to you know, kind of sharpen my skills on in all John wax, or at least I will be, in the not too distant future. Hopefully, hopefully I'll look more into it uh, after I finish up this one project that I've been talking about, um, but uh, is to really dive in and start looking at prices. So let's say, for example, uh, one of the next boxes I hope to get is an 85 dollars box. And first thing I need to do is familiarize myself with the pricing. Uh, and number two, forget about what I paid and what I <laughs> sold them for uh, years ago because that's done and gone, it's history, it doesn't matter anymore, it, it's irrelevant. So. Uh, with that said, the $85 box, let's say, let's look at the, at the price history. Uh, let's say in the past half year, uh, raw copies have sold for between $200 and $275, depending on condition, some more, some less. So now that we have a new baseline, what we could do as, uh, as intelligent, maybe, I don't want to say frugal, because I don't think frugal people would be really getting into this stuff unless they're really trying to make some money off of it. But uh, as, uh, as, as smart buyers, we now know that uh, what the price is, what the going price is for. So uh, we now have to uh, employ patience. Instead of pulling the trigger, the very next one that we see, which you know, I've been guilty of that before, guys. Like, if, I, if I'm hot to trot about something, I, <laughs> I have a difficult time putting on the brakes and get obsessed with uh, whatever I'm looking into. So 
uh, try hard not to do that and uh, try to employ uh, patience and use the uh, newfound knowledge that you've acquired and wait. And so maybe what that means is uh, even though they've been selling for 200 to 275, maybe you find one for 185. Maybe you find one for 210. In any event, you might still be able to find a great deal. So let's say you find one for 210. And that means that there's a possibility uh, that you will end up being able to make some money on them down the road also, in spite of the fact uh, that you had to pay significantly more uh, than you uh, sold it for just a few short years ago. And oh my gosh, looks like a cop pulled over another person down here. What on earth is going on? This is really bizarre, guys. But anyways, so, uh, you know, so that's kind of, I think, the, the answer, so to speak, if that makes sense. Um, I think that kind of helps me and might hopefully help you get past this mental block of, you know, oh, I sold for way less than what they go for now and I'll never be able to get back into them again. So finances obviously are a completely different thing. You know, if you don't have a couple hundred bucks to spend on a box, then you don't have it and that's fine. There's plenty of other ways you could do it. So I'll tell you as an example, I've already bought two boxes. Guess what they were? 1990 Donners and 1991 Donners. It's flabbergasted the price I paid. I paid 25 bucks each for them. It's, again, I could have been, uh, could have been uh, much uh, more patient by thinking, oh man, this is a, this, these are great boxes. And I just kind of freaked out and was excited about getting them back. And they're nothing boxes, right? They're, they're nothing really exciting, but very nice, clean. Uh, actually, these were, these were sealed. And my first thought was when I, when I had them in hand is like, I've got to open these, not the packs, but the boxes. So that way I can see the packs and feel the packs, roll around them and uh, roll around these packs in my bed. I'm just kidding. Uh, but you know, just something to be able to look at these packs and not just the boxes themselves. So I still haven't done it. <laughs> I think I bought a couple of these boxes like a couple of years ago as well. And I'm selling them sealed, even though this was my plan was to open them also. So I think when I get back home, I might actually uh, take the seal off just to kind of uh, enjoy the packs themselves. So, uh, but anyways, yeah, that's kind of, that was kind of my first thought. So, so in spite of what you're doing, uh, you know, if you have these feelings of this like mental block, I think that hopefully will help you uh, to be able to turn the corner and dive back in if you're ready. Um, and either way, regardless of what you're doing, if you're interested in any niche in the collecting world, I think the greatest thing that you can do for yourself is to research the absolute ever living heck out of uh, pricing. You know, because I think that's gonna help you tremendously whenever it is time for you to jump back in. Knowledge is power. And that is exactly uh, the kind of thing that, uh, that you wanna have when you do uh, start collecting up a new niche of cards. So that's all for tonight. I hope you guys had a, a great time listening to this. Hope this has helped you. Hope you have a great rest of the day and uh, thank you for listening.